welcome in everybody to another episode of Fantasy Football Picks and Bets presented to you by Prize Picks. I am Lauren Carpenter. You can find me at Stepmom Lauren, and we have a great show lined up for you today. We have the Prize Picks leaderboard from our 7 Eleven challenge. We're done with week two. We have some surprises in store that I cannot wait to share with you. We also have injury updates, boo, hiss, no fun. We have some waiver wire options that you should be targeting for your team to look ahead to week three and beyond. And we also have some quarterback and defense streamers for you. But first, remember, if you have not done so already, please head over to prizepicks.com and use the promo code MMN to get your deposit of up to $100 matched. It's like free money. You can play over-unders. There are so many options. It's a ton of fun. And also make sure to get involved with our 7-Eleven challenge. It's very easy. Every week set five over-unders and make sure they're for the Sunday and Thursday but not Monday matchups. Five over-unders and then change that bet amount to $7.11 because that is how they will track it is by that amount. Hence the 7-Eleven challenge. Remember five over-unders. Promo code MMN if you have not signed up yet already to get that deposit matched up to $100. And without further ado, let's hop right into the week two 7-Eleven challenge leaderboard and I chuckle a little bit there because I was really pleased with my lineup heading into week two as many of you probably were even with your redraft lineups maybe your daily fantasy lineups but thanks to some really really crappy play and some injuries we can lay it on that too I did not do so hot but I don't feel as bad as Pat Mayo should feel because Yeah, he didn't do very well. In fact, he did terribly. He had zero out of five. Pat, come on, man. Although I can't blame you for your picks here. Let's go over them really quickly. Let's flash them up on the screen for you so you can follow along with a visual. He had Josh Allen, and he had over 23 and a half fantasy points. I mean, I would take that. And uh, unfortunately... That didn't happen. I'm very sorry about you. Jacoby Myers was another one. He had over only four receptions. That didn't work out either. And then he had Jamar Chase over 57 and a half receiving yards. Joe Burrow choked. He threw two. Was it two or three interceptions? I think it was two. Back to back until he did finally connect with Jamar Chase in the end zone. But it was not enough for Pat Mayo because he had the over on 57 and a half. Oh, stinks. Receiving yards. And then Marquez Calloway, again, this was a terrible game from the Saints, um, going up against what is now becoming a brutal Carolina defense. Um, Hint, hint for your defense streamers if they're available. But he had the over on 42.5 receiving yards for Marquez Calloway, which he could have done on one play. But alas, that did not happen either. And last but not least, he had Daryl Henderson. He had the over on 56.5 rushing yards. It was close. He got 53. So he was so close with that one. But that is a swing and a miss five times for Pat Mayo. And honestly, I didn't do much better. In fact, I only got one right out of five. But hey, at least I got one. And let's just flash my results here up on the screen for you. I had uh, Michael Pittman on the under because he was terrible last week. And then lo and behold, I had him under 44 and a half receiving yards. Nay, he went over that. That sucks. I'm obviously not very happy with that. I also had Allen Robinson. I had the over on 68 and a half. That didn't happen. Then I had the over on Antonio Gibson. All he needed was a touchdown. A single touchdown. I had the over on half of a touchdown. He didn't get it done, which is actually quite concerning because it looks like J.D. McKissick is, uh, you know, McKissick. It's just, oh, it's so very troublesome. Anyway, Jameis Winston, like I mentioned, he had a terrible game. He didn't throw um, a single passing touchdown. He did run one in, but he did not throw one. And I had the over on a touchdown and a half considering he threw five last week. Blip. But the one I did get right, which is the one I told everybody to also stream last week, was Teddy Bridgewater. I had the over on 249 and a half passing yards. He ended up going 328. So that was exciting. Still gross, but at least I got one. 
I guess I'm okay with that, but on to next week. You know what? That's what they always say in the press conferences, right? We're just preparing for next week. Looking ahead, looking to week three. But that doesn't mean we can't give some shout-outs to our leaderboard, like I said we were going to, and we have one single participant who has 10 for 10. That means he got all five last week. All five this week. I'm slightly jealous. Alan W., congratulations. Good job, my friend. You hold that by yourself. That is it. Just Alan W. has had a perfect score so far. Well done for you. We also had a handful of 9 out of 10. We had Ryan L., Jeremy M., Jude D., Ian, Adam, Adrian, Jeremy, Jeffrey F., uh, and then Jeremy W., Adrian W. All of you, actually Jeffrey F., I'm sorry, you only got 8. <laughs> my bad, my friend. But those were the 9s out of 10s, which is pretty darn good. And there's we have so many participants, I gotta scroll all the way down to see who we have here. Oh, goodness. We do still have some zeros gunning for that last place prize. I know it. I can see it in your scores here, which is a zero. Dale P, you're still at zero. Rick C, Paul P, Brent S, and John B. I am very sorry, my friends. Uh, you did not get any right so far, but that's okay because there is still week three. Don't fret. Remember, it's very easy to play. And uh, obviously, if you haven't played yet, you still can because you could be ahead of the people who are at zero. And let's see, we also had some, we have several people at one. We have several people at two. And this is after two weeks of play. So you could actually hop right in here pretty quickly and jump into week three, even if you haven't participated yet, in weeks one and two. Head over to prizepicks.com. Pick five over-unders for week three. Make sure they're not in the Monday night matchups. Set that bet for $7.11. And boom, you're in. We're, we're playing the 7-Eleven challenge. So don't forget to set those lineups for next week so that you can see me making fun of myself and Pat Mayo and whoever else is at zero and then congratulating maybe Alan W for having a 15 for 15 week who knows but we have to get into some unfun things we had a lot of injuries in week two it was gross I feel like most of them were to the quarterback position and even though we do have a lot it looked even worse during the week because Derek Carr went down. He rolled his ankle, but he came back in. Baker Mayfield hurt his left shoulder, popped it back in, but he came back in. So this list could actually have been much worse than it, than it is, even though it is still pretty bad. But let's go ahead and run down these injuries before we get started on our waiver wire options. So first of all, let's start with Jarvis Landry. He has an MCL sprain, and he is considered week-to-week. But it's looking like he won't play against the Bears in week three. So if you have Jarvis Landry, make sure you keep your eyes on his status. Andy Dalton, this was interesting because we got to see Justin Fields play, which was very exciting. But he suffered a bone bruise. And uh, Matt Nagy has, well, actually the PR team, not Matt Nagy himself. Nagy actually wouldn't really give a firm answer. But the PR team had to come out and say that Andy Dalton is their starter when he's healthy. Nagy didn't really want to commit, so take that for what you will. And then, oh, this hurts so badly, and this hurts all of the Dolphins' wide receivers. But Tua Tungavoyaloa, he could not finish the game after he took a big hit. But luckily, all the tests that were done today, which is Monday, they uh, the x-rays are negative. He's dealing with some pretty severe bruising to his ribs. So really, this is going to be about pain tolerance. Let's hope that he can maybe start or if they want to give him a week off everybody I am fading the wide receiver position because Jacoby Brissett looked terrible uh, and they lost 35 to nothing against the Bills it's gross did not like that at all and uh, Tyrod Taylor another name I really liked is a streaming option he unfortunately uh, pulled a hamstring or has some kind of a hamstring issue and he did not even play in the second half now this is very interesting because Davis Mills came in in the second half and I mean he did a pretty decent job uh, but there's all these questions now surrounding Deshaun Watson that also has not been confirmed nor denied. So we're not really quite sure what's going on with Houston. Keep your eyes on that. So far, Davis Mills is the one who should be starting, but you never know what's going on because Deshaun Watson wanted to go to Miami. That quarterback's hurt. Now the Houston Texans quarterback is hurt with a rookie QB at the helm. So we will see. And keep with that train on quarterbacks. Oi, Carson Wentz. Funny story. So my husband was asking me, how on earth do you sprain both ankles? Because that's what Carson Wentz did. He sprained both ankles in one play. And we just happened 
to be watching a news segment that had that exact scene of Aaron Donald basically rolling Carson Wentz up into a pretzel. And that is how you sprain both of your ankles. Now, luckily, this was not his foot that he had precision surgery on, but it is his ankle. He could not come back into the game, even though he tried. Unfortunately, the backup in this case, because Sam Ellinger is out, uh, it's Jacob Eason. And that is very frightening because he's not very good. So again, this is a situation like we have in Miami where I am fading those wide receivers. And it's a shame because Michael Pittman was finally having a really good game. Zach Pascal got into the end zone again. Zach Pascal, excuse me. So this isn't great. So let's hope that Carson Wentz can uh, get back on the field sooner rather than later. And then moving on from the quarterback position, LaVisca Chenault injured his shoulder on Sunday and he underwent an MRI. I do not have the results of that right now. This is again Monday evening prior to kickoff of the Monday night football game. So keep your eye on LaVisca Chenault. Also, Dalvin Cook was very frightening for fantasy managers. Am I right? In and out. Ouch. He's down. Oh, he's back in. It's Alexander Madison. What are we going to do? This was very frightening. I'm glad I'm not a Cook uh, manager. It's one of the reasons why I wanted to avoid him at all costs if I could. But it looks like he is dealing with an ankle sprain. So no word on whether or not this means he has to be out, what's going to happen with the line. We just we just don't know anything quite yet, but obviously concerning. So keep your eye on the status of Dalvin Cook. Hint, hint, Alexander Madison uh, may be on your radar. Hashtag should be on your radar. Also, speaking of the running back position, Trey Sermon. He is in concussion protocol. So this turned into an Elijah Mitchell game, even though I had basically banked on the fact that this was going to be a Sermon game because it was an Eli Mitchell game last week, and Kyle Shanahan does this to me to give me heartburn. So, uh, yeah, this is really weird. But interesting news about the 49ers that came out. According to Adam Schefter, per sources, the 49ers are bringing in Duke Johnson, Lamar Miller, and TJ Yeldon. So there's that. I don't know if that is confirmed or not. When I went to look at one tweet, that tweet was deleted. I didn't see anything else on it. Very strange. But just so you're aware of that as we head into Tuesday, where we're looking at some waiver wire options. Excuse me, it sounded like I just drooled. Don't worry, I'm not drooling over Duke Johnson or Lamar Miller. Gross. But I'm just saying, this is an interesting situation that the 49ers are in right now, and and, and it looks like it's going to be Elijah Mitchell. So as much as I had wanted to fade him a little bit because of the matchup and because of Trey Sermon, it looks like it might be Elijah Mitchell's backfield as much as Kyle Shanahan wants to add as many pieces back there as humanly possible. And also, if anyone watched the Steelers game, it looked like Deontay Johnson lost his leg because of writhing in pain off a worthless, stupid, meaningless play at the very end of the game. Good news, he did not suffer a catastrophic knee injury. Thank you, goodness. And it looks like, depending on how practice goes this week, he should be starting in week three. So that is really good news, but keep your eye, obviously, on his status. Josh Jacobs is also day-to-day. He did not play um, in week two. It was very distressing between Peyton Barber and Kenyon Drake, and it was a hot mess despite the fact that the Raiders did win. They are 2-0. Very exciting for them. And Amari Cooper ended up having some bruised ribs, so another one to keep an eye on. Uh, as we head for the Cowboys, because he took some he took some big hits, and uh, it, it wasn't just once; it was several times. So that doesn't surprise me. Whether or not that's going to affect his status this week, I'm not very sure. But just so you know, in case there's that cue that pops up next to his name that we all loathe and detest, it's bruised ribs. Keep your eye out on that. So with all of that in mind, let's go ahead and head into your waiver wire targets. And uh, there are some interesting waiver wire names here that I think you should probably be looking at. Rondale Moore, a wide receiver for the Arizona Cardinals. I know I was talking about Moore and Christian Kirk last week, and it looked like Rondale Moore uh, very quickly has really assumed a commanding role. Week two proved it, and I like this for him. He is 34% rostered. He had eight targets, seven receptions, over 100 yards, and a huge touchdown, which is what we love in fantasy. Um, And they play the Jacksonville Jaguars. That's super gross. Uh, They also play the LA Rams, not great, and San Francisco, not too great either. But this is a really great stash because Kyler Murray is really good. So I expect him to be utilized, and I like that it wasn't just one play that he had that big touchdown on. He had eight targets, which I also like to see as well. And speaking of big plays, let's go right on to Henry Ruggs for the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, 35% rostered, and he had seven targets, yay, five receptions, also over 100 yards and a touchdown, a big, big touchdown play. 
I really liked this and I really liked the targets and Carr looked very comfortable looking his way and especially in those big bomb plays. They're pretty awesome. So um, his upcoming schedule isn't great except playing against Chicago in, uh, let's see, Miami. Yes, Miami, Los Angeles Chargers. Excuse me, I get so confused with the 5,000 teams that are in L.A. I'm not bitter. They face Miami, Los Angeles Chargers, and then Chicago. Um, It's decent, but I really like that Chicago matchup the most if you want to stash Henry Ruggs. I still think that he might be matchup proof because of what the Raiders have been able to do against really bad matchups. So I don't feel too bad picking him up and starting him because he has that big playability. And sticking with the Raiders here, Brian Edwards. Um, He got involved. Um, Not much. I don't love this pickup as much. It's a pickup and stash for me. Um, He had three targets, three receptions, so he had a 100% catch rate, which is nice. And 40 yards, nothing to sneeze at. Still not as impressive as Henry Ruggs. Um, Again, stash for me there. Again, just to go over that schedule for the Raiders, Miami, Los Angeles, Chargers, and Chicago. And then somehow Tim Patrick, despite me beating the drum because everyone in the world who plays fantasy obviously listens to me, not. But Tim Patrick is still available 22% rostered. That's it. Um, I still like Tim Patrick. I know this was a coming out party for Cortland Sutton. I am so happy that it was. I was worried it was going to take longer for this breakout to happen for him. I called a breakout only because he was out last season and then was slow last week. Um, And Tim Patrick only saw four targets. But he did get a touchdown, which is what we like. Um, Obviously, I would like him to see a few more targets here. But I I wonder how much it's going to even out a little bit between Cortland Sutton and Tim Patrick. But he's going to be kind of a safety play there in in a way. It's kind of hard to say a wide receiver has safety. But if there is one, it's Tim Patrick. I do like him. Again, available in 22% of leagues. They're going to play the Jets. Then they're going to play Baltimore. And then they're going to play Pittsburgh at Pittsburgh, it is a pretty darn good matchup. So that also means start Cortland Sutton if he is on your squad. Go pick up Tim Patrick if you have not yet done so. Same thing for Zach Paschal, but I do want to pump the brakes here on him. I love Zach Paschal. I got him in every single league I didn't already have him in. But this Carson Wentz injury really, really bugs me because Jacob Eason is just not good. Um, t- uh, Zach Paschal is only 15% roster. I almost, I almost called him Tim Paschal. <laughs> I could just combine them together to make one player. rostered. He had six targets, five receptions, 38 yards, and a touchdown. Really, that touchdown did make his day because he only had 38 yards. Um, But Wentz likes to look for him in the red zone. So he can is a pickup and stash if you have the opportunity to do so. They're going to play Tennessee, Miami, and Baltimore. Pretty good, but again, I don't love picking him up this week if you can wait on it or picking him up and stashing him because of the Carson Wentz deal that we have going on with his two broken ankles. They're not broken, sprained. Whatever happened to him, Aaron Darnold, the Aaron Darnold effect. Carson Wentz is hurt. And I'm going to bring up Will Fuller really quick, wide receiver for the Miami Dolphins. Again, I don't really love this for now, but he's a pickup and stash if you can because of Tua. Um, I don't think Jacoby Brissett can really get it done. And Will Fuller is also rostered in 66% of leagues, so it's not likely that he's going to be available, but he was suspended week one. And then he was not active due to some personal issues, but he is back in the building here for week three. So he is a stash stash option if that is something that you're looking for as a wide receiver uh, for that deep uh, deep threat play, I should say. But don't forget, he is very boomer bust. They play Vegas, Indianapolis, and Tampa Bay in the next three weeks. And even though the game has not happened yet, I'm going to go ahead and throw out Randall Cobb because by the time you all are listening to this, either later Monday evening or early Tuesday morning, Randall Cobb hopefully will have had himself a game against the Detroit Lions. He is also um, a pretty good friend of Aaron Rodgers. They have been in TV commercials together. They used to play together, and he is reunited with Aaron Rodgers on his last hurrah in Green Bay. I know last week was stinky. This is a get-right game. So uh, keep an eye on how well he did on Monday night, which I certainly will be. He is only 12% rostered. They play San Francisco, Pittsburgh, and Cincinnati over the next three weeks. And um, those are great. In fact, his schedule through week seven is great gorgeous so hopefully he does really well and and you pick him up because I really like what he and Aaron Rodgers can do on the field um obviously Devontae Adams is not going to be available anywhere he's 100% rostered but Randall Cobb could be a real sneaky pickup and uh moving on I already guys let you know already guys let you know oh yes I love dyslexia so great it's late on Monday so don't judge me 
But I already talked about, that's what I wanted to say, the running back rumors for the 49ers, so I won't go back over that again, but some running back waiver wire targets that you can look for. The first one I don't love, but I feel the need to bring it up just because. It's Zach Moss for Buffalo. He didn't play in week one, and then he played in week two and had eight carries for 26 yards, but he also had two touchdowns. Really? Why? This is so frustrating when you are trying to have some kind of consistency on your roster with running backs, which is one of the reasons why I don't even like bringing him up. He is 49% rostered. I don't like this. I would stay away from it because Devin Singletary is still there. Josh Allen runs the football. It's very frustrating, but if you are in dire need for a body at the running back position, Zach Moss could be available in your league. They play Washington, Houston, and then at Kansas City. It's not horrible. But again, I just don't really trust the usage. Eight carries for 26 yards, but two touchdowns. That is not sustainable on those two touchdowns week in and week out. Now watch me being proved totally wrong. But it happens. It's fantasy football. It's educated guessing. And anyone who really, you know, hated on Mike Davis, um, I'm beginning to understand where you were coming from. I don't necessarily agree yet. I believe the season is still young. But core Daryl Patterson for Atlanta I see you, my friend. I see you. He is 15% rostered, and he was the beneficiary of not just a rushing touchdown, but a receiving touchdown from Matt Ryan. And I tell you what, Matt Ryan needs all the help he can get in the end zone and in the red zone. And it looks like Cordero Patterson was that guy against the staunch Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense. He had seven rush attempts for only 11 yards, but one of them was a touchdown. That's not the side that I really love so much about Cordero Patterson because that's more Mike Davis's wheelhouse. What I did like were the six targets, five receptions, 58 yards, and a touchdown on the receiving end. That really says to me he could be a solid flex opportunity moving forward. And again, he's only 15% rostered. And they're going to be going up against the Giants, Washington, and then the New York Jets. A very decent schedule moving forward for Atlanta when it comes to the running backs. All right. Now, this one was interesting. I'm going to bring up Alexander Madison really quick. I alluded to it. He's 32% rostered. You might want to pick him up as an insurance policy, whether you need him or not, whether you're the cook manager or not. You might as well get him on your roster now if you can. Uh, They have really good matchups moving forward. The Vikings do against. Seattle, Cleveland, and Detroit. So if Dalvin Cook can't go, Alexander Madison might just be your guy. Or if Dalvin Cook is limited, Alexander Madison could be a flex opportunity for you. But there is something that I noticed happening last season in Dallas. And I wondered how much was how much of this relationship or this committee was going to affect Ezekiel Elliott. Wow, Ezekiel, Ezekiel Elliott. I wondered so much. Like, no, I didn't mean to say it like that. I wondered how this was going to you know, be moving forward. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, the better back w- was Tony Pollard. He looked better. He played better. The offense played better when it was Tony Pollard. And in fact, Ezekiel Elliott's touchdown, I think, hold on, 16, yeah, his one touchdown that he had was on the back of Tony Pollard, getting him all the way down the field. This is interesting. This is scary for uh, Zeke owners. I get it, 100%. But Tony Pollard, 53% rostered, so likely unavailable. But if he is, scoop him up because both Zeke and Tony Pollard had pretty good fantasy games. And if they keep doing that moving forward in order to keep them healthy for an extended season, I don't see Tony Pollard slowing down at all. He had 13 rush attempts for over 100 yards and a touchdown. Uh, He also had three receptions, uh, three targets, three receptions, and 31 yards. And just to give you a little bit of context, Zeke had 16 carries for 71 yards and a touchdown. And then two targets, two receptions, and 26 yards. That's that's pretty amazing when it comes to a, a split backfield like that, and both of them were productive. So uh, they have Philadelphia, Carolina, and the Giants over the next three weeks. They're road games, but I don't really care. I think they're both going to eh, – I say they're both going to do well. I, I think Tony Pollard is going to play better than Zeke, and I think the offense plays better when it's not Zeke who's uh, carrying the load for the Dallas Cowboys. Sorry, I – it's it's crazy because I was beating the drum for Ezekiel Elliott. He's he's letting me down so far in 2021. All right, moving on. Let's go to the dumpster fire. That is the tight end landscape. Yay! These are always so not fun to talk about because there's really no one that jumps out at me except for two names I can say with 
kind of decent amount of certainty that you should take a look at. First of all, David Njoku for Cleveland is 8% rostered. I understand there's Austin Hooper is there as well, but Jarvis Landry, like we mentioned earlier, is week to week, so probably going to be out for a few weeks. Njoku did have three uh, three targets, two receptions, and 18 yards. I know that's not pretty, but if he gets into the end zone at least once, that will make up for your day. It is boom or bust and touchdown dependent, which we don't like. Again, but he will be filling some kind of a receiving void there with Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham Jr. out if he does miss another week. And then a name we may not have talked about very much is Evan Ingram, tight end for the New York Giants. He is 32% rostered. He's kind of a speculative ad right now. Because he hurt himself in preseason. And he may or may not be available in week three. But he has really good matchups coming up. So if you grab him now, stash him. You won't have to worry about it later. They're playing Atlanta. Then they're playing New Orleans. And then they're playing Dallas. So those are really good matchups minus New Orleans. So if you can get him for that Dallas game and start him and not have to worry about it, oh, I think I might do that. So Evan Ingram is an interesting name to bring up if he is available on your waiver wire. And another one that I had last week too didn't really blow me out of the water with his production, but again, if you need a warm body that's going to see at least a handful of targets, Dalton Schultz, um, he did only see two targets in week two, so I don't really love it. Uh, they're playing Philadelphia, Carolina, Carolina, and the New York Giants. I don't love this one, but he is likely available, so if you are desperate or if you are in very deep leagues, you might as well try to take a look at Dalton Schultz. But if you want to be muy caliente and be spicy and just – Kind of go for it. Why not go for Max with two X's, man? Max Williams, tight end for the Arizona Cardinals. I have no idea if this is going to be a fluke or if this is a trend. But if it's a trend, I want this guy on my team because if it's a fluke, I can drop him in a few weeks and whatever. I don't really care. But 0% rostered. He's available, everybody. Go snag him if you can. He had seven targets, seven receptions, and 94 yards. That's incredible. In an offense that has DeAndre Hopkins, Christian Kirk, Rondale Moore, Chase Edmonds. I mean, it's kind of hard to beat that. I love this. So, I again, I, it's not like this is going to be guaranteed target share every single week. But if it's a trend moving forward, you just might have yourself one of the sneakiest tight end pickups from the waivers, like ever. Like, I'm, I'm all for this speculative ad. They're playing Jacksonville. Awesome. They're playing the Rams. Yeah, they're, they're not awesome against tight ends, although their whole entire defense is very good. But again, that's a fun matchup between the Cardinals and the Rams. That's going to be a great game no matter what. And then San Francisco. So um, I think out of all of these options, I might add Max Williams and just have fun with it. it it's fantasy football. We're supposed to be having fun. <sighs> But sometimes we don't because fantasy football is very frustrating. But those are not just the only options that we have here for you. We also have our streaming options, which are our quarterbacks and our defense special teams options. And I am, oh, I'll, I'll save, you know what? I lied. I'm going to go ahead and jump into the defenses right away because it's kind of easy what I'm doing here. I am picking on rookies. Um, am I picking on injuries, actually? I'm not even picking on rookies. I did that last week. I'm picking on injuries. I'm going to pick up the Las Vegas Raiders that are playing against Miami. Whether it's going to be Jacoby Brissett or it's going to be an injured Tua, I don't care. They're only 2% rostered. I love them. And then the Tennessee Titans versus the Indianapolis Colts. 3% rostered. Again, Carson Wentz situation. If it's Hurt Wentz or if it's Jacob Eason, I still want to have a piece of that horrible offense when I have the defense on my roster. And then last but not least, I want to bring up Carolina. Uh, they are 19% rostered. Pick them up, and uh, I they're kind of like a season-long stash for me. And I say stash only because there may come a time when matchups may not be awesome, and then you can drop them. But you know what? No, I don't even mean stash. I lied. I'm a fraud. They're not a stash. Panthers are really good. They're one of the best defenses out there right now in fantasy, and matchups don't really seem to matter, and especially this week against Houston with Davis Mills likely as the starting quarterback pickup Carolina, but Carolina may be one that you hang on to even past week three. That's what I meant to say originally. I think I got it right there. Yes. So Vegas, Titans, Carolina, and then the Panthers, like I said, may be longer for than just week three. And let me go ahead and dive right into the quarterbacks. I do this every year. I have a moment where I'm like, oh my gosh, we should stream Derek Carr because he's doing so well. So I know I am going to come to regret this, 
But Derek Carr is only 27% rostered, and he has scored 20-plus fantasy points in the last two weeks. This is crazy. And in weird matchups, he's doing this too. He looks better. He looks more confident. Um, The weapons around him are playing very well. Um, He is going up against Miami, the Chargers, and then Chicago. Um, I don't even know if the matchups really even matter. But yeah, Derek Carr is someone who is very interesting. And if it blows up in my face, I'll tell myself I told you so. Fool me twice. Shame on me. Fool me thrice. I shouldn't be doing this. But alas, here I am telling you. So Derek Carr, that's an option. Another option, which seems like it should be super gross, is Daniel Jones. That's right, quarterback for the Giants. I know when you hear it, you might like throw up a little bit in your mouth, like kind of like how I did just saying it. He's only 19% rostered, but um, he scored 21.38 fantasy points in week one if you just have like the normal quarterback scoring, and then 29.46 points in week two. That's pretty good. So um, they're facing Atlanta, which is, I mean, it's still the team to stream QBs against. I mean, even into 2021, we picked on them last year. We're going to pick on them again this year. So I don't hate starting Daniel Jones here. Um, Again, Atlanta, then they face New Orleans, then they face Dallas. So um, Atlanta, Dallas, great matchups. New Orleans, not so much. Um, But again, if you are really streaming and desperate for a quarterback, Daniel Jones. I mean, yeah. Although, watch this be like a terrible game because Derek Carr and Daniel Jones both do that to me. But alas, I am following the numbers here. I am going to play the matchup when it comes to my streamers. And that's all we have for me today. Man, we're heading into week three already. It is almost impossible to believe that football is here upon us. Remember, everybody, if you have not done so, sign up for prize picks. Promo code MMN. There's also a description in the link in the video uh, description. I swear to God, let me try that again. I'm sorry, my, my friends. My brain is fried from a late Monday night. There is a description. No, not even close. There's a link to pricepicks.com in the description of this video. Nailed it! Man, one of these days I'm going to get it right because I think I messed that up in almost every single video. But you're here with me. And I appreciate it so much. Promo code MMN. Remember, you get your deposit of up to $100 matched. Get in on our 7-Eleven challenge. There is a description of that challenge in the description of this video. I hope that's sort of right. Um, Alan W., you are well on your way to getting first place, my friend, with 10 out of 10. And to play, it's very easy. Five over-unders. Change that amount to $7.11. Remember not to pick a Monday night game because that's when I'm here talking over myself and messing up a whole bunch of words. But I still love you guys. I hope you guys still love me. And remember, we have shows coming at you every single day to get you ready for week three. Good luck on all of those waiver claims, and I will see you on Wednesday. All right, guys, welcome back to another edition of First Look at the DFS Salaries. I'm Peter Overzet here on the Mayo Media Network. And like we do every Monday, I sit here and I go through the newly released salaries for the forthcoming week. I have all of the week three DraftKings salaries hot off the presses here. We're going to go through them, see if we can spot anything that gives us some nice lineup building ideas earlier in the week. As usual, the caveat for all of this, lots of news changes, lots of dynamics. Can dare I say flip the slate on its head, but this is kind of how we get our bearings. Let's think of this as the foundation for the rest of the research we're going to do throughout the week. I think this is going to be another fun slate similar to last week where we have a lot of potential shootout games. We have four games I'm seeing with 50 plus Point totals as projected by Vegas, that would be Seattle, Minnesota, Los Angeles, KC, Arizona, Jacksonville, and Tampa Bay, Los Angeles Rams. So let's get in it. Let's start right here at the top with quarterback. Man, quarterback is absolutely loaded. There's all kinds of directions you can go here. I mean, at the top, Kyler Murray is just pacing for an insane season. It seems like he's going to have the year that Lamar Jackson had a couple years ago where he just went absolutely nuclear. He had 400 yards passing last week, three touchdowns, and he even chipped in a rushing touchdown on the ground, which is really what kind of puts his fantasy value into another stratosphere. But as you can tell, he's starting to get pretty expensive here at 8,300. So it's going to be tough to fit him in. 
his ancillary pass catchers as well, like Rondell Moore, previously sub 4,000. He's up to 5,000 plus this week. So it's going to be harder to make those double stacks work, but this might just be one of those years where Kyler Murray is in the perfect spot. And of course, Jacksonville has been absolutely awful. The Houston Texans torched them week one. Teddy Bridgewater was lighting them up this week. So you got to love the spot for Kyler Murray. Interesting spot here for Patrick Mahomes after struggling a little bit on Monday night football there, or sorry, Sunday night football. They are home versus the uh, the Chargers in what projects to be a very high-scoring game. Uh, it is going to be tough to fit in the premium double stack with you know Tyree Kill at 8,400 and Travis Kelsey at 8,200. You're probably going to have to pick one of those guys if you want to stack up Mahomes, but impossible to say that Mahomes won't be a good play this week at home versus the Chargers in a high-scoring game. We also have Lamar Jackson coming off of a real nice game against Detroit, who we are about to watch them play tonight. I'm recording this on Monday afternoon. We'll see how Detroit looks against the Packers, but man, in week one, uh, the 49ers put up up a ton of points. Lamar Jackson really kind of uh, showing a bit more range as a passer, you know, connecting with Marquise Brown on Sunday night football for some big plays. Uh, he, of course, doesn't need any convincing uh, when it comes to his ceiling. Russell Wilson has been incredibly efficient as a passer. For years, we have said, let rest cook. And now it actually looks like he's cooking 343 yards passing, two touchdowns. His salary looks pretty nice here as well. And that's another one of those games with a 50 plus point over under. We just saw the Vikings allow a shootout with the Cardinals last week. Now they go uh, and they host Seattle here. So that could be a fun one. Josh Allen's been burning people a little bit. We haven't seen him kind of hit his ceiling through two weeks, only 18 points week one, 17.6 points week two, but we know the big games are coming. They're still passing a ton. He had 51 pass attempts week one. This was a game against the Dolphins where they won handily and they didn't need to throw as much. Also, Devin Singletary had a long rushing touchdown, which obviously took the passing offense off the field. So I'm not worrying about Josh Allen, and I'm going to guess he's going to end up looking like one of the better contrarian quarterback plays when you factor in ceiling and ownership. We also have Herbert in that game with Mahomes. We don't love Herbert quite as much on the road in Kansas City. That's a little tougher spot, but man, we just uh, know that a ton of points could be scored here. I also think we have this game in the middle, Tom, uh, Tom Brady and Matt Stafford squaring off against each other, both priced here at 6,800 and 6,400. I think both those guys are going to be popular and viable in a game that should see a ton of points. As we try to get down here into where we could potentially save some money, I do think Kirk Cousins is interesting. He's priced up a little bit, but probably deservedly so. He's been chucking it a good amount, 49 attempts in week one, only 32 yesterday, but very efficient there with the three touchdown passes and this team is willing to be pass heavy in the right scenarios against the Cardinals, very uh, up-tempo offense there. And I think they'll have no choice uh, but to go up-tempo in this game versus the Seahawks. So I love Kirk Cousins there. If we're scrolling down a little bit, Teddy Bridgewater is vaguely interesting to me against the Jets who kind of continue to struggle. Uh, I think Trevor Lawrence is well uh, in the same way that Kirk Cousins was an awesome play this past week against the Cardinals, if we project the Jags to be down, which feels like a pretty safe assumption, uh, then playing catch up in garbage time mode against the Cardinals could yield some decent fantasy points there. So you also have a couple nice stack options. And with LaVisca Chenault and James O'Shaughnessy banged up, they could have a very extremely concentrated target tree between uh, Marvin Jones and DJ Chark really being the top guys there. So Lawrence looks interesting to me. We do have to circle Justin Fields. We're waiting on full information on Andy Dalton's health, but he did come in in relief uh, for Andy Dalton, who got injured last Sunday. He didn't look particularly great. He threw an interception, but to me, the most encouraging thing was these 10 rushes for 31 yards. I mean, he can easily do the Jalen Hurts type thing right out of the gate where he gives you an extremely high floor with his rushing ability. And then also if he finds, you know, himself, uh, you know, getting settled into the offense and kind of calms down a bit, I think this could just be an absolute blast off spot for Justin Fields once he gets going. So we'll have to keep an eye 
on the injury reports there, but I, I have a feeling if Dalton's out, Fields will still be fairly popular at 5,200 because he just gives you such a high floor. Um, not a ton else I'm seeing in this range down here. One other guy I wanted to mention was Derek Carr. Derek Carr is now coming off of two great games. He threw 56 times in the opener against the Ravens, and then he threw 37 times uh, against Pittsburgh for 382 yards. And this was on a short week in Pittsburgh, which is a, a tough spot for, for quarterback. So I've been impressed with Derek Carr and now you get them, uh, in a nice spot here, home versus Miami. So, uh, I think Derek Carr is definitely viable and there's plenty of stacking options with Derek Carr as well. That's kind of our snapshot here of the quarterback position. Let's head over to running back, which Unlike quarterback seems to be getting thinner and thinner by the week. We're having to deal with lots of injuries, lots of guys, you know, losing their roles, no longer being bell cow back. So we'll walk through it here. Derrick Henry was the story of week two. He went absolutely nuclear, rushed the ball 182 times, three touchdowns. But to me, the real interesting thing with Derrick Henry right here, as you see my mouse, he had six receptions and this is not typical for Derrick Henry's career. You know, we've always begged for the Titans to involve Derrick Henry in the screen game more, get him open in space, let him get ahead of steam heading downfield. Well, we finally saw that this past week, and the sky is really the limit here for Derrick Henry if he's regularly catching passes. This is going to be an interesting one for DFS from an ownership perspective because historically we have seen the field be perfectly content to go right back to Derrick Henry after a smash week. Generally, the GPP bros would fade that because we knew he wasn't going to catch passes and there was always a risk for his production to bottom out. However, this is a new wrinkle. If he's catching passes, then you start to raise his floor. It, you know, is he going to catch as many passes as a Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara? No, but even just adding a baseline of four to five catches would make him a much, much safer option at 8,600. And I'm just going to guess right now that he's going to be very, very popular this week. Dalvin Cook got a little injured in that game with an ankle sprain. He did come back in. He should be fine unless we hear anything else. Dalvin Cook, I think, should be a pretty nice option in this game if we expect a lot of points to be scored. And I'm guessing just with how many touchdowns uh, the pass game is having here, we've seen Osborne, we've seen Jefferson, Thielen all score. I wonder if Dalvin Cook goes overlooked a little bit. I would say on the high end, this tier kind of ends with Alvin Kamara and Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb continues to run well, but he kind of has the Derrick Henry thing from previous years where he's just not getting enough in the receiving game to make him a slam dunk play. He only had 11 attempts last week. So Nick Chubb is one of those guys. If he's popular, I'm off him. If not, if the field isn't playing him, then he becomes a good GPP play. Alvin Kamara is an interesting one. He's had a really slow start to the season. I mean, they got absolutely tattooed here by the Panthers, only scored seven points. He had eight rush attempts, only four receptions uh, for 25 yards. So slow going for Alvin Kamara now. I think things are going to get better for him, uh, although on the road at New England isn't the best spot. Uh, that said, he could rack up a ton of catches here. We'll be interesting to see what the field does. I think 8,200 is a fairly um, fair price tag. It was nice to see Austin Eckler get more involved in the pass game this week. He went from zero targets to nine targets, and now he's going to be in one of the better games of the week versus the Chiefs on the road. I have to imagine Eckler is going to be fairly popular, and rightfully so, at 7,200. Jonathan Taylor's price tag just keeps plummeting. I think he was 8,000 week one, 7,200 last week, now all the way down to 6,700. I get it. Marlon Mack is working in. Naheem Hines is on passing downs. Now they're on the road at Tennessee. But again, similar to Nick Chubb, similar to pre-2021 Derrick Henry, um, they have extreme upside because we know these guys are elite rushers, elite talents. And when the field's not on them, I think they become very good GPP plays. Najee Harris is probably too cheap. He, his price didn't come up a ton uh, after being a staple of cash games last week. He didn't even smash, but it just shows you when a running back like him is playing all the snaps and he's getting the pass work, he has a really safe floor. So Najee Harris there, I think, is going to be a, a solid play. And uh, Saquon Barkley here is well, uh, you know, 6,500. He, the rumor, you know, heading into the season was the team was going to be managing his snaps. That does appear to be the case, but then you see him break off a long run 
on, uh, was it Monday night football last week, Thursday night football, sorry. Uh, and he looked spry. He looked good. It seemed like things could trend in the right direction for him. So he's another kind of boom bust GPP play. I can't imagine trusting him in cash, but at 6,500 at home versus the Falcons who continue to give up just a ton of points to everyone they play. He looks interesting to me. In this range down here, you can see by the questionable tags that we have some injury situations that we need to keep tabs on. Josh Jacobs, of course, didn't play this past week. Darrell Henderson left the game with an injury. DeAndre Swift is heading into tonight as questionable. I could see DeAndre Swift having another good game and becoming chalk at this price tag here at 5,800 coming off of an 11 target game. If he does anything similar to that again tonight, I think he's going to be extremely popular and rightfully so. You know, as we get down here, I've been encouraged by what I've seen with Chase Edmonds in that offense, another week where he had five targets, five receptions, and uh, he's close to breaking off some big plays. So I think Chase Edmonds remains a, a good way to get cheap access to that Cardinals offense. Um, there was one player in here as I was scrolling through salaries that absolutely shocked me. Clyde Edwards Hilaire is down here at 4,800. I legitimately thought that it was a mistake. I mean, we, he's right here next to Jeremy McNichols. Like, what happened here? And the thing that's crazy to me is, look, I get it. I get that Clyde Edwards-Hilaire has been massively frustrating from a fantasy perspective, but the usage has actually been good. John Daigle from uh, NBC Sports Edge had a tweet up, and he said, these are the running backs to register at least 80% of their backfield touches through two games. It's Najee, it's Joe Mixon, it's CMC, it's Dalvin Cook, it's Derrick Henry, it's Chris Carson and it's Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. So the usage is still good. And now you're going to get CEH at 4,800 in a projected shootout against the Chargers at home. I mean, this price tag is just too cheap. Uh, he should be in the 56, 5,700 range at all, you know, at the very least. But you're getting essentially a bell cow back in the league's best offense in the highest over-under game of the slate at 4,800. This pricing is whack. I assume he'll be a cash game staple. I assume he'll be very popular. If not, then I will have a lot of him because this price tag is pretty absurd. There's not a lot down here elsewhere. I do think um, Devin Singletary's interesting. He's been playing well ahead of Zach Moss. Um, this is kind of what you get from you know Devin Singletary, but at this price tag, if you're getting 13 attempts and you're getting three to four targets, uh, I think that's a pretty good spot for Devin Singletary, who uh, seems to be taking the lead from Zach Moss, who was a, a week one scratch. Uh, I don't see a ton else in here. Uh, the team is getting excited about Michael Carter, the Jets. They seem to be phasing out Tevin Coleman. That's kind of interesting. You see here, 11 attempts, 59 yards, two receptions. So keep an eye on Michael Carter. We always want to be ahead of these new trends. Michael Carter could be someone who's growing into a bigger role. That said, at Denver isn't the best spot. Um, I guess we have to wrap up by talking about Cordero Patterson, who split time down the middle with uh, Mike Davis, and he's in a 50-50 split with Mike Davis. The problem is this offense is really bad. They're not involving um, – the pass game enough. He did have six targets here, but it seems almost begrudgingly with Arthur Smith. He still wants to run these guys up the gut with the eye formation. I guess you can mess around with Patterson there if you'd like. Not necessarily my cup of tea, but he is he is certainly interesting. Let's head over to wide receiver, which again, similar to quarterback, we have a ton of options. I think Tyreek Hill right here at the top is probably going to become one of the best contrarian tournament plays i'm guessing with his price tag and after he burned people on sunday night football with only four uh targets three catches for 14 yards that people might feel a little gun shy going back to tyree kill i'm gonna guess this range here is really the popular range deandre hopkins continues to crush back-to-back -back weeks with touchdowns tyler lockett and dk metcalf i mean lockett has been going absolutely nuclear Back-to-back 100-yard -back games, three touchdowns through two weeks. DK Metcalf, even when he doesn't blow up, the field still seems to know he's a great play and always goes back to him. Jefferson had a bounce-back game after week one. He's going to be popular as a bring-back in those stacks. I think Diggs here, similar to Hill, 
could end up being a popular contrarian, or sorry, I should say an underlooked contrarian play. You know, he only had four receptions for 60 yards. He did find the touchdown, but people are starting to get impatient. Where are my ceiling games from Stefan Diggs? I think those are going to be coming, and you want to be on him when that happens. Uh, we also in the mid-range here, of course, have some guys that I would qualify kind of as the sweet spot as far as guys I want to target here. We have Cooper Cup, who back-to-back -back weeks has had a 38% target share for the Rams. That's just in a massive, absurd target share. You see it filling up the box score, 10 targets, 11 targets. He had two touchdowns, finished with 39.8 fantasy points. I'm surprised his price didn't come up more uh, here. It's still 6,800. I think he's going to be very popular for a second week in a row, and he's an awesome play. I think Keenan Allen is a great play in this range at 6,600. He had eight targets again in, a, in going against the Chiefs in a high-scoring game. Should be very nice. It's funny to see these Tennessee Titans wide receivers paired up. A.J. Brown, just something seems off with him. He only had three receptions on nine targets, just not all the way there, but we know he's talented enough to turn it on at any second. Um, let's see here. One other guy I would mention in this range, of course you have the Bucks wide receivers. I just like that game. So I, I always like to see where the ownership settles, but Mike Evans, 6,300. Godwin, 6,100. You can scroll down a little bit more for Antonio Brown, who's going to be the cheapest of the three at 5,200. Those guys all look like solid plays to me. Marquise Brown, uh, I feel like he's shedding the boom-bust label before our eye. You know, that had six targets week one, 10 targets last night. He's had back-to-back -back games with touchdowns. And until the rookie Rashad Bateman is back in this offense and maybe stealing some targets away from Brown, I think he's a great play every week. We're starting to see some of these rookie price tags come up a bit. Jamar Chase up to 5,400. We have my guy Rondell Moore up to 5,000. You know, the, the, the cat's out of the bag that these guys were awesome wide receiver pro, uh, prospects and they're delivering early. Uh, I think DJ Chark looks like a value here at 5,300, especially if LaVisca Chenault misses some time. Uh, Corey Davis down here, he had a huge week one, but then was relatively quiet in week two. He might be a nice bounce back spot again. We'll have to see if Jamison Crowder is active or not. I think this price tag for Tyler Boyd is just too cheap coming off of a nine target game, uh, you know, 73 yards. He does have that slot profile role. But uh, I think that should be a pretty nice role against Pittsburgh uh, there. Tyler Boyd, too cheap at 4,700. We mentioned Will Fuller last week. Will Fuller ended up not playing. Um, it does now sound like he is going to play this week. So Will Fuller at 4,700. The problem is, is it doesn't sound like two is going to play. So then you're wondering about how does Fuller perform with Jacoby Brissett. You could probably take it or leave it with Will Fuller. As we scroll down here, a little bit more, we can find a, a couple other values. I think um, Michael Hardman is interesting here at 3,900. Michael Hardman actually led the team in uh, in targets last uh, last night on Sunday Night Football there. So I think Michael Hardman is going to be a, a very nice play and probably the guy you want to toss in to double stacks with Mahomes. If you're choosing one of Kelsey or Hardman, you toss in uh, Hardman at 3,900. I think he's a little underpriced here. My camera has gone blurry. Let me fix. I can't be on Pat Mayo's channel and have a fuzzy camera. I mean, what am I going to do? I'm going to get fired here. Come on. Come on, Peter. There we go. Come back to me. Come back to me. Do we get back? Why is my camera struggling so much right now? We are going to press on. This is more about the salaries than it is my face. I'm tilting. I'm tilting. Is it getting better? A little better. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, hopefully it's getting better. Um, let's uh, see if there were any of these other cheap wide receivers. Diami Brown is kind of interesting to me. He might get lost in the shuffle having last played on Thursday night. He had six targets. I don't think Curtis Samuel is going to be back again this week. So he looks good. Uh, Brian Edwards down here as well. We mentioned how uh, good Derek Carr has looked. I think Brian Edwards uh, is someone to keep in consideration here. Uh, his role seems to be growing uh, a little bit. He had five targets for 81 yards uh, on four catches there. I think we have a, a misprint on this because he had four or five targets for 81 yards. He's interesting to me. And um, yeah, not too much down here. I'm seeing as the pump plays. KJ Osborne, though, at 3,500 
is intriguing. Nine targets week one, six targets in week two. He's really benefiting from Irv Smith being out. So I think KJ Osborne is someone that will probably end up being fairly popular as the pump play. I'm trying to see if we're down here really dumpster diving, if we can find anything else. I'm not, I'm not seeing much. You guys want to go back to the Donovan Peoples Jones? Well, he is now the stone minimum back to back weeks of having one target. I mean, it is crazy to see what has happened to some of these preseason darlings. Marquez Callaway here, uh, who everyone absolutely loved in the preseason. He's now coming off of two dud games, hasn't even eclipsed three DraftKings points this week. Let's wrap up here with tight end, and then I will go and try to figure out what's going on with my camera. I am tilting so hard, guys. Normally, I just do this in front of it, and it, there, I got it. All right, my camera's back. You can see my face for tight ends. Um, Travis Kelsey back on the main slate, 8,200. That is expensive in this economy, but absolutely worth it. Uh, Travis Kelsey just has to be one of the most consistent fantasy performers. 25.6 points week one, 26.9 week two, just gives you such an advantage at the tight end position. Waller came down to earth a little bit last week against the Steelers, only five receptions on seven targets after a 19 target game. We always knew 19 targets wasn't sustainable, but we would like to see him up in the eight to 10 target range to feel comfortable at this salary. What does Rob Gronkowski have to do to get more expensive? I mean, back-to-back -back weeks with two touchdowns. Rob Gronkowski, four touchdowns through two weeks. Tom Brady loves him in the red zone. This should be a high-scoring game against the Rams. Uh, Gronk, I, I envision he will be popular this week. I think there's a nice other kind of tier cluster here. Hawkinson, Andrews, Pitts, and Fant. Uh, I guess we could toss Logan Thomas into that too. These guys are all interesting, and I think you can play the ownership game. Um, whatever of these two uh, ends up being the lowest owned, those are probably going to be the guys I gravitate to. None of these are incredible game environments. Baltimore, Detroit, Atlanta, New York, uh, Giants, New York Jets, Denver, Washington, Buffalo. But these are kind of the spots and tournaments I think we want to be targeting because we know there's a ceiling there, and not all of them will be popular. I think it's interesting that Tyler Higby still here only at 4,000. I think he could be up in this tier. He didn't have the production that he had in week one, but he still was playing almost all the snaps. So just kind of a weird anomaly, I think, with Cooper Cup dominating so much last week. I think Higby would be a guy I would be willing to go back to. Um, I If we're going dumpster diving, there's definitely some options. I think Austin Hooper, Without Jarvis Landry, who's going to be missing some time, he now had uh, three targets week one, five targets week two. His role is always pretty solid, and that's a nice price tag there for Austin Hooper at 3600 I think Gerald Everett is interesting, too. He is splitting a little bit of time with Will Disley. Um, only had uh, two targets, but we want to be making bets on this offense, and he's going to have a nice red zone role. This game against the Vikings projects to be a shootout. So I think if you're playing Russell Wilson, similar to kind of with the Mahomes double stack, you want the cheap guy to toss in. I think Everett's a nice guy to toss in if you can't afford both Lockett and Metcalf. You know, we have some injuries we got to pay attention to. James O'Shaughnessy is going to be out. Chris Manhurts is is the fill in there. I mean, how much is Manhurts? Manhurts is twenty seven hundred. I guess if you want to punt it off, that's not bad. He had a touchdown week one, but he is primarily the blocking tight end, so not too much love for Manhurts. Let's see if I can find you guys one other cheap tight end that might be interesting. How about CJ Uzoma? Uh, again, not a ton of targets. He only had two in both these weeks, but. Similar to kind of the Gerald Everett, I think the Bengals should start passing a little bit more in the red zone, and Uzoma will be a part of that against Pittsburgh there, 2,700. But man, it's gross out there. I wish I had more dumpster diving for you. Like, I, I literally, I've never heard of Bug Howard. Who is Bug Howard? An incredible name. Uh, but that's what happens at tight end. Let's see, at defense, I never have any good early defensive takes uh, because the two rules are... Don't pay up and don't play a popular one. Uh, so if we're eyeing the defenses down here, I think the Titans at home versus Carson Wentz uh, looks pretty solid to me. We know that Josh Allen can always turn over the ball. Washington football looks decent. Seahawks versus Kirk Cousins. 
we got some options down here. The Bears are coming off of a big week. And uh, yeah, so there's our my, my defensive preview. Even the Jets against Teddy Bridgewater, I don't think, is the worst here. On the high end, uh, Broncos 4,300, probably too expensive. Patriots 4,100, Steelers 39, Bills 38. Uh, it is hard to get up to these defenses, but you can see it pay off the Buccaneers, the Patriots last week. Uh, I have a hard time getting up to them, but if you fit, if you don't spend all your money on wide receivers like me, then you can fit in some of these defenses. So I appreciate you guys uh, sticking around with me as I ramble my way through the first look here on the Pat Mayo Media Network. You guys can sign up for Run the Sims and look at these first look uh, salaries within the context of projections. That's really where we start to dial in who's a good value and who's not. You can use promo code Pete for 10% off any Run the Sim subscription. We have main slate optimizers. We have full simulations for main slates and showdown slates. And my personal favorite right now is this prop finder tool. Looking at, you can type in any line for a prop bet and Run the Sims will show you the expected value of that prop based on median projection and how much juice there is. So loving what's going on over at Run the Sims. Thank you to Pat Mayo for having me. Good luck this week. I will see you guys for week four 